Welcome to season three, episode six of the Pretty Little Prisons podcast with your host, Wendy Watts. Today's topic, resistance. If you want to be successful in life, there are two directions you need to focus on, up and forward. You cannot advance from the position of backward. Clearly, clearly, those things that set you back and push you back are things you need to add to the faction called the resistance in life. That's what they're there for. You just need to put them in the proper place so that you can use them to rise. According to science, planes take off against the wind. They need the upward force to be able to rise. So, in the takeoff process, the plane taxis down the runway at a high speed only to then adjust its wing flaps to use the resistance in the air that it's driving against to propel it upward while it's directing its force forward. So, like the plane, all of those things in your life that feel like resistance, add that to the equal and opposite force that's going to help propel you forward. Is it grief? Is it loss? Is it rejection? Is it people telling you you'll never be anything? You'll never do anything? You can't do that. You're not smart enough. You're not fit enough. You're not whatever enough. You're just generally not enough. Is it you telling yourself those things? Then use that as resistance to help propel you forward. You have to drive harder and faster than the things that are moving against you or the resistance you feel pushing against you in your daily life. You wake, if you wake up and the first thing that smacks you in the face or in the mindset is, why am I here? What am I doing? What is the purpose in it all? Why do I even care? That's your resistance. Use it appropriately and you can learn how to fly. They say that there are three stages in life. Losses, lessons, and blessings. So how do we deal with that? How do we turn the stages of losses and lessons into blessings. We do that with a powerful gift called perspective. And that is why the phrase, it's not what you look at, but what you see is such a powerful truth. So if you look back on your life to this up to this day, your childhood, all the hardships you experienced, all the betrayals, all the trauma, everything that was there to bring you down. If you look at that like a big rock, a big obstacle in your path, which I like to call grief rock. Okay, grief rock is the sum of everything bad that's happened to you 
in this life to stop you in your path on the rise to be your higher self, to be the best you you can be. So if you let, if you stand there from where you are, the perspective of where you are right now, which I call the grief perspective, if you're looking through that lens of perspective, you are going to be trying to push an an immovable rock, a rock that is so big that anyone who would look at you or even you looking at yourself can factually reason with logic that it's impossible to move a rock this big with purely your own strength. You might be tempted to think, well, if I have enough friends or support behind me, I can move grief rock. No, it doesn't matter how much support you have from your friends. If your lens is fixed on the wrong thing in front of you and the wrong thing in front of you is focusing on grief rock. The only way you get past grief rock is climbing over it moving around it, or shifting your lens or perspective to open space with a view of a horizon where you can shoot towards your, or aim towards your positive possibilities. So write those down. What are your positive possibilities today? What do you possibly experience today that is positive and does not add to the resistance? does not add, does not make grief rock bigger. Don't sandbag yourself. A lot of us get caught in this trap. It's easy because what grief rock does is similar to an avalanche. If you buy into the the depression and you keep adding more and more sad things, it, it it, it not only makes grief rock bigger. It turns grief rock into like a huge snowball that accumulates with an avalanche behind it that will crush you in your life. So don't make the mistake of joining the resistance. Clearly, that's not going to help you. And I say clearly from a point of positivity, from a point of using the lens with a positive perspective, because when you're in the grief zone, You can't see anything else. It's like a blackout. You're on the dark side of the eclipse. You can't see no matter who comes at you with a positive idea. If that positive idea doesn't come from you, if it doesn't come from inside of you, it's it's nearly impossible to see. That's why nobody can cheer you up when you are clinging to grief rock. You've got to let it go. Well, why is it so hard to let it go? Because grief rock has a gravitational force in it, okay, that is designed to make you feel paralyzed, paralyzed with fear and grief. You can't move past this. This is so bad. This is so painful. How could you ever possibly evolve from this? That is the, that's what emanates. That's the energy field around grief rock. It pulls you in with those tractor beams and it says, how could you possibly get over this loss? You can't deny that this loss is part of you. It's part of your life now, right? Leaving it behind is like letting go of part of you. No. It's not acknowledging that the bad events didn't happen. It's acknowledging why it's there. And are you going to let grief rock win Or are you going to, like an adventurer, like a victor, like a survivor, 
like a warrior, climb on top of it or find a way to move around it so that you can truly see the entire field of opportunities. Because when brief, when grief rock, that's funny I said brief, is that a Freudian slip? Maybe. Grief rock is meant to be brief. It's only there long enough for, re- for you to realize you have the strength to overcome any challenge that is set in front of you in your life. And anything that, that adds to the belief or the thought process that you aren't capable of that, you cut that loose immediately. Immediately. And swiftly. Like putting a sword in a stone, like Excalibur to Lancelot, that is you. Put the sword in the stone and walk away. You don't need Grief Rock. Grief Rock needs you. It needs you and all the other people that are choosing to stay in a stuck mindset or mentality that they can't escape their loss in order to be powerful. But guess what happens? Guess what happens when people walk away from grief, when they learn how to heal? Grief rock begins to vanish. Because grief rock only exists when there are factions of people stuck in it. And when people walk away from it into the realm of their positive possibilities, it no longer has, it loses its energy field, its tractor beams, it can't draw you in anymore, it can't sink you. And that leads me to my next point. Rocks can be cornerstones or sinkers. So those rocks, those losses, those lessons, right, those Things we call them losses or lessons, these you know as as a what as a paradigm shift from a negative experience, right oh it wasn't it wasn't but uh, an experience is not a uh, positive or negative, as Shakespeare would said right say right Shakespeare wrote, nothing is either positive or negative, but thinking makes it so, okay, so if you move from that mindset, you will say, okay, well, they'll identify this as a loss. Or a lesson, and that way it's not it's not positive or negative. It's just a thing, right? It's just a thing that it, that I experience, and how I choose to handle that experience is what's going to dictate your trajectory in life, your flight pattern. Okay, you're the pilot of your plane. You're the pilot and the plane. Okay, sometimes we step outside of our plane because we don't feel like traveling, and we just sit there trying to figure out what is going to be my next move. Do I even want to move? Do I even want to travel anymore? Okay, that's us deciding. That's a, that's called an existential crisis. That's us deciding whether we want to be in this life or not. Okay. So back to rocks. Rocks again could be cornerstones or sinkers. So turning rocks into cornerstones is one of those advanced lessons we learn while remembering to swim, not sink, when we're handed a few heavy ones. It's all about knowing what to do when to do it, and having the strength to tread water when your efforts haven't surfaced to any floatable reality yet to use to navigate further with. Raft building season isn't for the faint of heart. 
But when life add the, adds the lens of perspective to our telescope, we can go further than we ever thought possible. So today, that perspective is a glimpse of land. And that is a gift of empowerment. The hope of surfacing efforts guides and moves us forward just when we think we're we were about to think paddling wasn't worth it, right? Now I know I, I swiftly moved from the the airplane metaphor to the to the water metaphor, but the reason the reason the water metaphor correlates is because emotion is like water. And we can sit there and drown in our emotions, holding onto our rocks, all of that grief from those losses or lessons that we experienced. Or we can hurl them at the shore and turn them into cornerstones and set ourselves free to swim to shore. Hope is perspective, it's that lens, it's that telescope that allows us to see land on the horizon, that we will survive whatever challenges we face. But you have to believe that you have enough strength left in you to get to shore, even if you, even if you don't have a raft. Because raft building season, sometimes that raft is inside you. Because if you're out there floating in open water and there's nothing to build a raft with, the raft is your faith. It's your belief in yourself. It's you reaching down deep inside of you and saying, without hesitation, I can do this. This is not the worst I've faced. I will get beyond it. And even if it is the worst you've faced, I can still get beyond it. Because any, anything set in front of you, you have to realize is actually for you to help make you stronger to do the things that you're truly capable of doing that you maybe previously didn't believe you were capable of doing and you won't know you're capable of doing until you actually overcome it. See, there's the mystery and the riddle in life. You look at everything as a mystery and a challenge and things as a, a, a way to uncover more things about you in your life that you previously never thought that you were capable of or previously... Um, never imagined you'd be able to overcome. Well, that's the gift. That's how you turn the losing season into a winning season with the gift of perspective. So when you wake up today and the first thing you think is not a positive one, you need to t grab that telescope in your mind and you need to shift it one lens to the right. The positive lens. Shift it from the left to the right. No political parallel intended here. Disclaimer. Shift it from backward to forward. Okay, left being back the past, right, being forward, the future. You will look straight ahead into the present with a positive perspective of the future and acknowledge, okay, acknowledge where you're at, not saying ignore the grief, not saying pretend it isn't there, not saying pretend that this day feels perfect if you woke up not feeling that way because in all honesty, we're human. How many of us do ever wake up feeling 
perfect. Those days are rare and they're huge gems. We make the most of them when we have days like that. You wake up feeling just empowered and full of life and hope and possibilities. But on all of those integer lines on the rest of the spectrum, when we wake up feeling less than 100% of ourselves, that is when we need to shift the lens properly. Knowing what to do and when to do it is going to get you from the losing season to the winning season, from the runway to 35,000 feet in the air. But you will never get there if you as the pilot do not choose to shift the lens and shift the gears forward. Open your wind flaps. Rise against the resistance and you can be free. Even if that's just mentally in your mind, pick yourself flying flying over. When you see something from 35,000 feet in the air, what does it look like? Little ants, little dots on the map, you know, entire counties and, and cities and, and acres of land start to just look like a little patchwork quilt underneath you, right? That's sort of the beauty of the experience of flying is when you can look out that little window, if somebody else is flying the plane, obviously, when we travel, right? There's a commercial pilot up there that knows all the rules, passed the test, got the handbook, knows how to fly a commercial plane so that you can just sit back and enjoy, enjoy the ride. So when you're in that perspective, when you're just enjoying the ride in life and you're letting God fly the plane... You can look over all of those cities and all of those things you're passing over. Those, that's all of the moments in your life. And now all of a sudden, everything seems so small when you put it in perspective, right? Because it's behind you. It's not what you're, what's in front of you. It's not what you bought that ticket for. It's not the experience you planned on or are going to. It's everything that's behind you that led up to this moment. Maybe you would never even be taken to this trip if you hadn't already been so many other places and maybe this was another one on your bucket list that you hadn't yet checked off. And so, again, leading with the lens of perspective, remaining empowered by, by staying in the present and having a positive lens on the future and your potential, your positive potential, that's how you win. That's how you turn the sinkers into cornerstones. And that is really no secret, but it's just a strategy. Because we know there's nothing new under the sun, right? Pretty much everything we think of has probably already crossed the stream of human thought from past to present, from hundreds of millions of years ago to now whatever the, the, the recognized trajectory of human evolution to now. But it's new when we just first discover it, when we first stumble upon and have that aha moment, right? That epiphany that I reached right before recording this message. What brought me to today was the will 
to survive. And in this moment, take everything that's happened to me and just label it collectively the resistance. Don't give any, don't give evil the stage in your life. Don't glamorize tragedy. You didn't become what you are today. You're not who you are today because of the bad things that happened to you. You are who you are today and where you're at today because the good in you desires to overcome the bad things that happened to you. You are more than your experience. You are more than what you know, what you've learned in this life. So don't let let anybody lock you into a limited mindset of saying, well, because, right, that's why people break free of that traditional societal pattern or stereotype of, you know, having a degree. No, having a degree doesn't make you smarter. It just makes you more educated. Okay. There's a difference because as Martin Luther King said, knowledge is purely information, but wisdom is the application of that knowledge. So if anything, the reason why potentially the lens of perspective sees or views degreed people over non-degreed people as potentially um, more wise is that they just might have a little bit more knowledge in their in their knapsack or their backpack to apply to convert to wisdom in a situation or experience. Okay, it doesn't mean that the school of life or the school of hard knocks, as some choose to call it, is not a great educator. Of course it is. There are people that are street smart. You don't need a degree to be smart. But what you do need to be smart is enough information and the ability to convert that information to wisdom or that information, i.e. being knowledge, equivalent to knowledge, the ability with your mindset to drive forward by con converting experience wisdom or educational, I'm sorry, experience knowledge or educational knowledge into wisdom by being a good pilot, by being able to convert knowledge to wisdom, that then puts you again in the pilot seat of empowerment. That's empowered living. That's leadership. Okay, because in the absence of somebody else leading you forward and showing you what to do or giving you advice on on how you can move forward, we are in a position to co-pilot ourselves, right? We have to lead ourselves forward. In the absence of leadership, you are the leader. You lead yourself forward. That's your job on Survival Island. When I call it Survival Island, it's because a lot of times when you're in survival mode, you feel 100% completely alone. Regardless of however many blood family members you have living on this planet, regardless of how many friends you have on Facebook or social media following you, regardless of how many people um, have been friends and provided support to you in your life, there are still times when you will feel like you are on Survivor Island 100% alone. You will feel like you are the only one fighting your battles. And in truth, you are. Those people that are there that are on your side to support you, your your quote unquote fans, they're there rooting you on 
you know, like the audience and maybe those super duper friends, right? They'll step away from even the audience and and step away from the sidelines and actually step into your life when you are facing opposition and resistance and help you move along the path. Those are super friends. There's friends and then there's super friends. Okay. That's like your little superhero family. Okay. Those people that just when you thought you were down and out and you cannot shift the lens to positive, it's just too much gravitational force that day. Super friends step in from the sidelines and say, hey, hey, hello, hey, you, you there over there drowning in your own fishbowl on Survivor Island or in the, in the quicksand. Super friends will pull you out of the quicksand or keep you from drowning. They will, they will swim out and, and pull you back to shore. They will throw you a rope and pull you out of that, that quicksand of, of um, sad thoughts or grief or depression. And they do that by helping you shift the lens of perspective when you can't. They'll say, hey, friend, did you look at it this way? I don't see you that way or I don't see your experience that way. When I look at you, this is what I see. Okay, that's objective because when you are all alone, every thought is subjective. You can only see yourself through your own lens of your own experience. But but super friends, super friends are there to help you see another perspective when you can't find one. Perspective givers are very powerful because they can shift you back into moving into moving mode. Right. And moving mode. Okay. Getting, getting you unstuck, moving mode means that you can convert, you are once again empowered con- to convert losses and lessons into blessings so that you can experience your life as a winning season, not a losing season, so that you can shift the lens from, from looking at your life and yourself when you see in the mirror, I am not a loser, I'm a gainer, I'm a winner. Everything I experience adds to my personal power. And when you can see your life from that perspective, when you can pull from that bottomless pit of energy, you can overcome any faction of resistance against you. You don't need a seminar. You don't need training. You don't need any of the things that people out there will try to sell you. Because I'm, gonna, I'm here to tell you, you can take as many of those things, let's, let's be honest, most of us can't even afford to take them. I personally have never, never ever been able to afford a, a, a Tony Robbins seminar, okay? Everybody just raves about it. Oh, you know, your life will be changed after you go see Tony Robbins. I think he's a great motivational person. So is Tim Tebow. But how many, how often do we actually, how many people actually get to experience that? Who could afford that? Okay, you can watch YouTube videos, sure. You can get clips and and, and little, you know, mind gems and information. All that may be helpful to you. But here's what I'm, it doesn't matter who's speaking. It could be Moses, it could be God, it could be Tony Robbins, it could be Tim Tebow. Okay, all of them are are tapping into their, into that perspective of positive power. So what I'm telling you is even if you can't afford the seminar, you can't afford the book, you can't afford the training. Okay. You know, cause it, there's books I'd like to read that I, I, I personally couldn't afford to uh, read them or buy them when, when, and, and they're not available because you have to pay to get them. Right. So 
So how do you work when you don't have that extra knowledge? Okay. How do you still work from a, a place of power? Okay. You can still tap into that without having the actual knowledge. Yes, that extra knowledge and information can be helpful to unlock more doors. But don't don't fool yourself into thinking you're down and out without it. You don't need that to move forward because no matter how much information you get, okay? Say I had however many thousands of dollars or whatever it costs to go to one of these uh, Tony Robbins power weekends or whatever. The bottom line is this, after the weekend's over and you've, you've, you've absorbed all that knowledge like a sponge or whatever, and you've had this, this amazing uplifting experience, if you then go back to your, your apartment or your home or your space, wherever you're living, and you crawl back in that hole or you cling to grief rock, all of it is useless, right? Unless you use it, unless you can convert that knowledge into wisdom to empower yourself forward. And here's the thing. If you understand what you're being told and you see the value in it, whatever they're preaching or teaching, okay, you can understand it. Your logical mind assimilates it into the the file cabinet of your life and says, okay, this makes sense. This is good information. We can use this. We can use this here on Survival Island, which is i.e. you against your life or you moving with your life instead of against it, right? Since we're talking about positive lens of empowerment. You have, it's not enough to know it. So here's the thing. How do you convert knowledge into wisdom? You have to believe it. So it's not enough to know it. The key is belief. Believe it. So even if Tony Robbins says it, and we all know he's a guru, he's successful himself, he's helped many people change their lives, he's changed his own life, he's overcome many things, which is amazing, right? We all want to be like that in our own lives. We want to be our own heroes, which is why people like him inspire us, or Jesus, or anybody, whoever you personally ascribe to or see as as a role model, okay? Um, so just Again, putting that in perspective, not putting anyone down. It's, it's an observation. So whoever you see as a role model, okay, you might think to yourself, if you are, if you are in a space of insecurity from a season of losses and lessons, you might think to yourself, you might be living under the, the disguise of, well, it's possible for them, but it's not possible for me. That's disbelief. You can't move, you can't shift from a place of disbelief because that's like having grief rock inside of you instead of on the outside. So first you have to pull that rock sinking you called disbelief and grief. You have to pull it out of you. Pull it out. How do you pull it out? Allow yourself to purge and process emotions. Get it out. Don't stuff it down. Once it's out and you've released yourself from the grip of sadness, anxiety, panic, once it's out, once it's done, now you can shift from that that power of peace and saying, okay, yes, I was sad in those previous moments, but I, I cried and I got it out. I screamed at, at 
the wall or God or the open air and I got that rage inside of me or the sadness or the grief out, at least for now, in the present, right? Now you are in the place where you can start rebuilding yourself and building a new platform for the new landscape of your life. Because that's what grief does, right? It guts us. Say our life up to a certain point before we experienced a traumatic event was was a, was a house that was whole. But then the tornado comes, the hurricane comes, the divorce comes, the death comes, the loss of a job comes, the loss, whatever it is, this massive, I'll call it collectively, massive destructive forces beyond our control. Okay. So massive forces of destruction beyond our control, war, events of nature, whatever. Those things happen and they, and when they, when they blow through our lives, they knock that house down to the foundation. Nothing left except your beating heart and your brain trying to function. What do you do with that? That's called lost junction. When you are there in lost junction, it is very hard to function. Obviously. Because your walls have been ripped away, your roof, your windows, everything that was dampening out the noise in life, in society, is gone. Your protection, your armor, it's gone. Life has leveled you to your basic forces. That's it. Ground zero. Step one. And you're like thinking, really? I came this far. I built this, this house. That house is the collective positive experience. Okay, we've, we've talked about the collective negative experience or unfortunate experiences, we'll call them, or they feel misfortunate. The time, that's the resistance. The rest of it is the stuff that built the house to who you are today. So those could be all the positive bricks all the, you know, all of those things that helped build you into the structure you were before catastrophic loss happened. Because what that challenges you to do is to say, life, that's life screaming at you and saying, oh, that's who you thought you were. But guess what? You're not that anymore because we just took that all away from you. So now what are you going to do? You got to prove it again to yourself that you're capable of rebuilding yourself to even better than you were before. And we see it all the time on the, um, you know, the house flipper shows, right? Those reality TV shows where somebody takes an abandoned structure, something that's been abandoned for years or just completely, you know, uh, experienced either neglect the, you know, or destruction. And they take it and they flip that house into something that, somebody would actually want to buy, live in, and and create positive memories there, create memories there, and call it a home, okay? So the house being your life, how do we turn that into something that feels like home, something that we want to live in? And it takes a long time. You got to give yourself time. And maybe that means accepting that you may never 
fully get over a loss, especially when you lose someone or something that was very, very important or pivotal in your life. You know, a groundbreaker, a watershed moment, whatever. It's not, those things never go away. It's not, but you can't, you can't, again, let the collective resistance ruin you. The challenge here in the game of life is to make life feel livable or giveable maybe, giving our daily life the gift of life by actually finding a way, a space that we can desire to actually live it. Because grief rock or the resistance wins when we used to when we allow ourselves to dwell in the thought pattern of why am i here why is it worth it why am i paddling so hard i'm tired why do i want to keep doing this why am i here what's the purpose every time you experience a job change job loss um home loss uh loss of a, a family or support member you feel it jolts you right back to survivor island Again, now you're on this island where you feel like you're all alone with a sea of nothingness around you. And what are you going to do with your life as it is now? Because there is no, there's, there's, there was a point of no return where you can't go back to where you were. That house or that place or that collection of experiences has been destroyed or ripped away from you from some destructive force beyond your control. So what are you going to do with the rest of your life? Can you make it the best of your life? Well, you can if you work from a space of empowerment. But you have to want it. Can you wake up wanting your life? Can you? And if you woke up this morning and you weren't wanting your life, hey, there's no shame in that. Don't you look in the mirror and... And, and feel bad for seeing your flaws. That's human. That is human. But now, after you've examined your flaws, remind yourself of your redeeming points, your redeeming factors. Yes, X, Y, Z may be true. I may be getting older. I may have, you know, developed wrinkles. I may not be fit as a fiddle, as they say. However... What are the redeeming factors? I am a good person. I have kind eyes. I have a good heart. These are necessary components. I have intelligence. You do. You possess the intelligence of not only everything you've learned in this life up to this point, life experiences, book knowledge, school education, whatever, Beyond that, you also have the knowledge of your ancestors, friends, families, advice that you've been given along the way, different perspectives. Take all of that. That's your arsenal. That's your arsenal in this life so that when you experience these triggers or, you know, you step on a landmine or, you know, an emotional landmine or somebody somebody throws a throws a bomb into your your zone and just kind of blows up your day with some negative thought or some negative comment or attempts to throws that grenade of a negative comment 
in your in your comments. Don't let those hand grenades, don't let those landmines blow you up. You might feel blown up in that moment when you first read it and your brain assimilates it as a threat. But give yourself time to instead of emotionally react to shift into the positive zone and say, okay, if they didn't feel threatened by me or my life or what it stands for, they wouldn't be throwing that bomb or grenade or planting that landmine to begin with. Why do they want to blow you up? Why? What have you done to them? What do you, what is what is your life doing to affect them negatively except the way that they are choosing to perceive you and 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 allowing you to have an impact on their life so much so that they would actually take an action to speak out or move against you. So who's in control at that point? Are you controlling them or are they controlling you? But if you shift into the reactive mode and respond to that comment, or that landmine that was meant to blow you up and cause you to react emotionally and defensively, now who's in control? The hater. So you have to first recognize that you moving through your life in an empowered space or whatever space you're in, if that's threatening to other people and they're just responding to that, that's them on their path, on their trajectory. You don't have to make that part of yours. Let it go. Leave it behind. Fly by it like that plane going hundreds of miles an hour at 35,000 feet in the air. They are not even in your trajectory. They are clouds you are passing by. They are the patchwork quilt of land beneath you. They are humans that are now the size of ants, cars and humans and, and objects that are now the size of ants moving beneath you. Why would you let that drag you down? You wouldn't. Because when you're at 35,000 feet, you don't care because none of that is even touching you. It can't touch you unless you let it. If a pilot fully focused on flying a plane from point A to point B doesn't have the time to whip out his smartphone and check to see if somebody left a hater comment, okay, he doesn't. He only has time, or she, he or she, okay, or gender neutral, the pilot, okay? If the pilot doesn't have time to focus on haters because they are too consumed, all consumed with the goal and the mission in their life to get to point A, from point A, which is the present, to B in the future, wherever they're driving for, their dreams, their goals, their definition of happiness, their pursuit of self-development and self-evolution, if they're so focused on that, they won't have time. You won't have time when you're in the pilot seat to check for resistance. So don't do it. Don't buy into it. Don't do it. Just don't do it. If it's not for you, it's against you. It's part of the resistance. Use it to drive you upward if you are going to take time to check that faction after you've landed at the next stage of development in your life. Remember, look at it and recognize it for what it is. Okay, I see you. You are the resistance. Thank you for giving me a reason to continue to propel forward. But I would say first, just like anyone who would recommend a healthy diet, 
don't read negative thoughts. You don't need to make grief rock bigger. You don't need the resistance to be bigger in order to continue to move and expand your life in the positive realm. Because think about it this way. If you allow the resistance to remain in your life, that's a space you don't have to claim for the positive power. So once you let it go and you rule it out, it's like having more land to claim. And now your kingdom of power expands proportionately by the faction you were previously allowing for resistance. Let that sink in. So if you're currently allowing grief and all the things in your past and whatever things you had to heal from, let's just collectively call them that, the things you had to heal from so that you could grow forward and grow up and forward. Remember the two directions. Secret of success is not a secret. It's a strategy. It's up and it's forward. And it's not back. So, but if you could then... Find a way to mentally release that space in your brain for the sad things, the negative things, so that you could never revisit them, lock them in a vault, and shoot that vault up to space. Okay, put it on the next rocket to Mars. I don't need that. Down here living my best life on Earth. Send that crap to another planet. I don't need it. I'm done with it. I healed from it. I use that resistance to get to my 35,000 foot cruising altitude. I don't need that anymore. I already got it. I used that. I took the fuel of my positive potential and I flew up against that resistance. And I don't need it anymore. You don't need it to stay up. What you need to stay up is that positive platform, that belief that you can keep flying at 35,000 feet or higher. So, so that's the next level stuff. When you're not only able to rise against the resistance, but then release it from your past so then you can then claim more space for positive things to come into your life. Now, you have the potential, the increased positive potential of living your best life, not just your guest life, okay? So you're living your guest life. It's just you just being a guest of life. Let me see what happens next. I'm just going to wait and ride it out, ride out the storm and see what happens next for me or to me. And I'll just, I'll just work with you. You can, you can sit there and just work from a space of reaction, but that's not going to feel... That's a guest life. That's not your best life. There are plenty of people who, and and this is no judgment, it's saying there are plenty of people who either lack the desire or maybe lack the, the energy it takes to convert negative energy to positive energy, okay? So they adopt a more palatable approach, which is like, Okay, may not live my best life, but I'm going to be grateful and I'm going to live my guest life. Okay. Or my guest life. So I guess, well, this happened to me, but I guess I'm still here. So there's a reason for me surviving. So I guess I'll keep on living. See what happens next. That's a guest life or a guest life. You're here as a guest of the universe. You are saying, you know what? Whatever happens, come what may. 
I'm just going to live out the rest of my days best I can. How about that? Well, that's not living your best life. That's your guest life. I guess I will. I'm here, so I must. Okay, that's your guest or your guest life. That's not your best life. Your best life is saying, I'm getting off this porch today. Hell with this place. I'm I'm not going to stay here and wait to see what, figure out what happened, you know, figure out what happens to me when whatever happens next happens. Okay. That's just playing defense all the time, all day, every day. But if you want to be the protagonist in your life, if you want to say, you know what, this is what I got. This is what life gave me. But I think I can do better. I think I can do more. So let me just go on and try. And people will say, there's a school of thought, right? I think it was Yoda and Star Wars that says, don't try to do. There are people that, that will insult you or criticize you and say, there is no trying. An attempt is doing. Trying is doing. So to, at that point, it's just semantics. Hashtag bullshit. Don't let people put you down like that, okay? Trying is still an attempt. Attempting is doing. Because again, for example, if I woke up with the thought in my brain, I've never run a day in my life, but I want to be a marathon runner. Well, how do you get to be a marathon? You're not run 10 miles in your first day. How many people are physically capable of doing that? Not everyone. Some people are. Some people won't. They'll go and they'll run as far as they can physically run based on their physical capabilities at that point in time that they made up their mind that they want to try to be a marathon runner. And the only difference, and marathon runners will tell you this, the difference between a, a successful marathon runner or not is one, besides possessing obviously the physical capabilities to do that, you know, they don't quit trying. They don't quit practicing. They don't quit doing. Okay? They master the art of doing or trying, however you want to look at it. It's fine. It's the same thing. Because if I, if I want to run 10 miles, but today I only made it two, okay, I marked down in my book. That's a victory. I made two miles. I made half a mile. Whatever it was, right? But what they did was they didn't stop, they didn't stop practicing it two months. They kept running for, say, four years. And now they can finally run 10 miles because they built their strength up incrementally through the practice of trying. That's why they call it practice. You're not going out and doing the game yet. You're practicing for the game, right? What do they do? Okay, let's try to run this play, okay? Or we're running this play. Okay, so they do all that practice, all that trying, before they even do it in the actual game, okay? When they're, you know, football players for game day. You know, so yeah, now we're moving from from uh, marathon runners to football players, okay? But the bottom line, the, the, the common denominator, the common thread through all of this is just not only realizing your potential, Okay, but exercising it. So there's the action because it's nothing becomes, things become powerful when you put action behind them. You can have a sponsoring thought, right? Just think about it. You might have a super friend who's a, a sponsor in your life. They're like, okay, 
um, you share a dream and you say, I want to achieve, I'd like to achieve this. I've never achieved this in, in, in my life. I think I, I could do it. I think I want to try. And they support you in that. They say, I support you. Maybe they even sponsor, sponsor you. Like I'll, I'll help you buy the uniform or I'll help you buy the equipment or I'll, I'll, you know, whatever. I'll, I'll pay for your plane ticket to go to that, that training, or that event you need to, to help you get what you need to, to experience that in life or achieve that goal. Okay, there's, there's a super friend, a sponsor. But it doesn't matter how much they believe in you. If you don't believe in you, you still have to have, and you have to put action behind it. They might have bought that ticket, but you still be, got to be the one to get on the plane and go do it. Do what you said you were going to do. Keep your promises to yourself. Why don't we keep our promises to ourselves? Maybe because other people let, our, let us down in the past. Sometimes we're tempted to let ourselves down, right? Don't let self-doubt and you know, and, and grief come in and, and, and steal your joy and say, you can't do this. You know, yet, you know, you're thinking that's way too high. That's too much. You'll never be able to do that. Don't, don't let the resistance take over. So action is how you overcome resistance. Not only the powerful po- lens of positive perspective, but action behind your aspiring thoughts okay because you again all that belief and support from your sponsor or your super friends circle it still means nothing if you get up on the day you've got to step on that plane or go do that thing that you've been wanting to do and you you second guess yourself and you die can't can't do it oh my god i can't go through with it you know no no stop the negative thought train Switch it to up and forward and keep going. Because whether you win or lose, whether you attempt and fail or attempt and succeed, you'll still never know the outcome if you don't just get out there and go do it. Go do the thing that you said you were going to do. Scary as it is. There's a saying out there that it's, um, don't let your dreams stay dreams. So how do you do that? You you bring them into the powerful realm of your existence and your waking life and you make them happen. You have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, win or lose, I still love you. Because you're always a winner as long as you're still attempting, achieving, trying. All of that is still doing it's still going up or forward. So don't let anybody minimize whatever incremental step you're capable of taking today. Don't let people do that. Don't give them that power over your life. You have to retain the pilot position. You are the pilot in the plane. Do not let, nobody can take that away from you unless you let them. Today's musical intro was provided by Toontank.com and the artist is Omka, O-M-K-A.